Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom Nixon will not be joining me today, so Tom will be back next week uh, when we launch a new episode. Uh, but I do have a guest today who I'm excited to speak to. Aaron Baer is a partner and the director of training and development at Renault & Company, a modern law firm focused on tech, emerging tech, and M&A. Previously, Aaron was an equity partner at a Canadian big law firm. He's the co-founder of 4L Academy, which provides modern interactive training for young Canadian lawyers and law students. He's also the co-founder of Build Your Book and co-host of the Build Your Book podcast, which provides modern sales training to lawyers and accountants. Aaron speaks regularly on a diverse range of topics, and he maintains an active thought leadership presence on LinkedIn, which is where Aaron and I met. So Aaron, I'm thrilled to have you. Welcome to the show. Thrilled to be here, Jay. I actually started listening to this podcast uh, at the start of my business development journey. And so I'm, I'm just so excited to be here and chatting with you today. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. It's great. And I, I've said this before when we've had episodes where we've interviewed people that I've gotten to know on LinkedIn. And it's always nice to take those kind of online conversations into, a, well, I guess we're still online, but into at least a one-on-one -on -one conversation as opposed to just writing comments back and forth to one Absolutely. another. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, Great to be here. So, um, all right. W with all that said, you obviously have a lot going on um, with uh, with your career. You're you're you know you're still a lawyer, but you're also indulging your entrepreneurial interests as well. And I think that's really cool. Um, it's it's been really interesting to see how many lawyers, especially over the last eighteen months, have started you know side hustles, gigs, gone in different directions, that kind of thing. Um, just to start, maybe I guess what what motivated you to kind of uh, carve a bit of a new path for yourself and, and make some change in your career? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So, so on paper, my journey could not be more linear. Uh, I went to law school. I did well in law school in my first year, got one of the rare first year big law jobs, went there first year summer, second year summer. In Canada, we do what's called articling. So sort of before your first year, you do 10 months of that, got hired back as a first year associate, was an associate for a while. Uh, became an equity partner at the age of 29 uh, at a firm that has a little bit of a faster track than some of the others. So on paper, the smoothest, most direct linear journey. But in reality, I would say nothing like that. I was an entrepreneur for a while. Uh, that's maybe a nice way to say shit disturber. Um, <laughs> and by that, I mean, was really involved in looking at the business of law and the practice of law and just generally confused about how law was being practiced got really involved in the legal tech space uh, around my second year as an associate. It was sort of a newer space at the time and based in Toronto and Canada where I am, we've got a thriving tech scene and as a result, a thriving legal tech scene. And so I was seeing all these companies spread out that I had never heard of and nobody I worked with was talking about or knew about and going, these all make sense. Like, I, why are we not using these? Why, why can I not use these? And so built up my practice over time, leveraging a lot of tech, a lot of process, talking to these people, getting to know these people, and sort of living out my entrepreneurial dreams uh, through them uh, and trying to figure out what does my path look like? Is it the legal tech route? Is it being a normal lawyer? Is it something else? And then with the pandemic, uh, obviously everything changed. How I did business development changed, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And I was doing a lot of training internally helping people. And I was doing a lot of business development virtually and eventually realized, you know, there, there's something more to this. I want to be indulging a little bit more fully. 
and figured I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. It was time to escape the shackles of just being a lawyer. And I love being a lawyer. I like working with clients. I like, you know, I don't know how many lawyers love it. I actually really enjoy it, but I wouldn't be fully satisfied or fulfilled just doing that. So I'm lucky to work at this really entrepreneurial firm where I can be a lawyer and they're totally fine and actually encourage me and the other lawyers to run these kind of things on the side because providing services to business people, you know, if you are one, you can relate so much better and provide way better advice. So it's been a lot of work, but it's been so incredibly rewarding. That's really cool. And your path, I think, sounds pretty familiar or similar to mine in the sense that um, it wasn't the a dislike necessarily of the practice of law that led me to pursue th- something new. It was just I have other interests and and you know wanted a certain different style of life, perhaps. Um, and so I think the nice thing is there are so many opportunities now um, working sort of adjacent to the legal industry uh, or within it, but serving law firms or serving lawyers in different ways is has been nice um, for all of us who want to want to kind of seek a different path. So so I think that's great. Well, I think regardless of what someone wants to do uh, with their legal degree. I think that something fundamental to create more options for oneself is is business development. Learning how to sell. Um, we use the word we use the word the term business development, but it really is selling in in the pure sense of the word. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. And I know that's a big focus of build your book uh, and yeah. and the training work you're doing there. Um, so. Maybe just as a starting point, we can lay some groundwork and talk about why why it's important, why people need to be thinking about this. Because I know you know you're younger than I am, but certainly when I started practicing law, it, there still was the you know the understanding, and it was communicated to us that as an associate, you kind of just need to keep your head down, do good work, things will take care of themselves. Especially at you know the big law institutional law firms like we were at. Um, I don't know if that was the case when you started, but I, it's different today. So I, I think everyone needs to be focused on this. So maybe um, we can just talk a little bit about why this matters and how. what are some of the benefits of business development, maybe outside of even financial security, which I think is fairly, fairly yeah, obvious. It's such a great question, Jay. And, and you know, as you said, growing up in, in the big law model, I got told the same stuff you, you did. I don't think that advice has changed. You know, keep your head mm-hmm. down, learn your craft, learn to be a lawyer. Just put your head down for five years. And you know, I don't think you can get much more terrible advice than that. That's great for the, the partners who want you to bill a lot of hours. It's good for your short-term compensation. You know, you're you're hitting your bonuses, maybe, you know, or hitting your targets, getting a bonus, all that stuff. But I don't think most lawyers are fulfilled working, you know, 3,000 hours a year. And long term, it's just a terrible idea because it makes you means you're dependent on other lawyers in the firm to give you work. And it's interesting, I, I actually surveyed about 100 lawyers across North America um, about a year ago. And I was curious, you know, what do people see as the benefits of business development? We all know money is one of them. Uh, and, and I think, you know, maybe the older generation of lawyers went into this job a lot for money and, and money will keep them there. I think we're seeing with younger lawyers, money's not enough. You know, law firms are just throwing these bonuses at lawyers to get them to stay. And it's not going to work. We all know that. They'll gladly take the money, but money's not the answer. So I just actually pulled up our results because uh, you know it was a great reminder to look at them. So money was actually our number one thing. 77% of people said money, but but the list after were pretty significant. So more control was a key one over their hours, over their type of work, things like that. Flexibility to start their own practice was huge as well. And I think in the last year, I mean, I went from big firm to a boutique firm. Um, I know lots of people who've started their own firms or made the shift to sort of smaller firms. 
there's never been a better time to do that. Like the overhead to running a firm these days, you don't need a fancy office. You don't need any of that stuff, but you sort of need clients. Like it's really, or, or it's very scary to start your own firm with no clients. It is certainly a lot easier if you have some of your own clients you can bring over and you can make a very good or tolerable living uh, with a lot lower overhead to cover. So, so if that flexibility was huge, not having to worry about where their hours were going to come from. You know, there's, you, you know, this Jay, that, that fear, you know, you're busy, you're either too busy or not busy enough and you're never mm-hmm. perfectly satisfied. And when you're not busy, you're scared about, am I going to be fired? Where is that work going to come from? Um, power within a firm, you know, for reasons that I don't agree with, but the reality is the people whose voices are heard the most are those with the biggest books of business. And unfortunately, the reality at some of the bigger firms is to be heard, you need to have a book of business. And that's, you know, money talks, unfortunately, at the end of the day. And obviously for other people, you know, it's making partner, it's they don't want to lose their job, or quite frankly, none. They said, look, you know, this is a good life skill in general to have. So I think there are so many reasons that go way beyond the financial. And I think the advice to start later and just put your head down, it just does a disservice to anyone who unfortunately is told that and follows that advice. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because you know you hear the kind of the the memes of oh you know Gen Gen Z and millennials they're lazy and entitled and don't want to work hard that kind of thing. I mean, and that that is always almost always said by those of uh, those people who are in my generation, Gen X or baby boomers, right? And and I I've started to think well maybe maybe they've looked at how we have shaped our careers and have just simply said, no, thank you. Like there's a different way to um, think about things and, and different priorities that they might have. And, and frankly, they might have it figured out to a greater extent than, than we did or do. Um, and I think that comes back to the point you made, which was the fact that people are seeking more control, um, which you know could also be called autonomy, which I know from various studies is the number one predictor of, of happiness, both in work and in life. And so I, it makes perfect sense. And I do think that you know business development, having your own book of business is the way to get that autonomy. So um, that, that all really resonates with me and I guess maps to what, what I've been thinking about in terms of the feedback I've been getting from clients and other people I've been talking to. Um, so with all that being said, in terms of, I think those are some pretty important benefits, and I think they're all capable of, uh, your, of achieving those benefits if you focus on business development. Why don't more lawyers spend more time doing business development? I guess, what are some of the impediments yeah. that you perceive? So we actually surveyed that. I'm looking at the survey. And I'll talk about those, but I'll, but I'll tell you a bit about my sort of journey and also some of the work I'm doing now uh, through Build Your Book. So uh, the biggest roadblock... <laughs> It's like, you know, what stops you from being like, why are so many young lawyers anxious and, and not confident? Well, what stops you is law school. Law school didn't teach you any of this stuff. And then you got to put your head down and work, work, work. And you often don't have the mentors. If you have a great mentor at a firm, you know, you're in good shape. But how many people who also are incentivized by billable hours have the time to take to teach you how to be a good lawyer? You know, some people get that. A lot of people don't. What's the biggest roadblock to building a book of business? Where are you supposed to learn this? And again, I go back, you know, you did law school. That was three years of, uh, I'm not sure what I learned, but uh, you learned some black letter law. You know, you learned some theoretical stuff. Maybe if you're lucky, some practical stuff. And then you get to a law firm and you're just so focused on trying to get the work done, hit your targets, uh, not get yelled at by clients, by people you work with, all those things. And the funny part is like at the firm I worked at, I was given money to spend on business development from day one as an associate. You know, I could spend up to $500 on any activity I wanted. And that's not in the aggregate. That's like each time, dinner, lunch, sports game, you know, you name it. 
uh, obviously didn't abuse that. But so money was allocated to it. People wanted me to do it. And there was no expectation of results anytime soon, which was great because that makes sense. Like business development is a journey. You're building relationships, as you know, far too well, Jay. And to assume that anyone is going to magically get clients tomorrow doesn't make sense. Although I will say lawyers have a unfortunate belief that they will generate business immediately. And if they don't see immediate results, they give up quickly, which, which actually makes sense because lawyers score terribly for resilience. And my resilience, quite frankly, is certainly not at the level I'd like it to be at. That is definitely a work in progress. So the challenge is you're not equipped with these skills out of law school. And most lawyers don't have a sales background or background in selling previously. And so suddenly you're supposed to do business development. And while you might be given some monetary resources, you're really not given the guide, the roadmap, the manual to business development. And the result of that is I think a lot of watching what other people do and trying to emulate that. And what I will suggest a lot of lawyers have been doing historically is very scattered business development with no plan, with no strategy, with no understanding of technology or systems or things like that. Not to mention the world changed a year and a half ago. What, what used to work doesn't work. And you know, I'm in Canada, which has handled the pandemic differently than where you're based, Jay. But I mean, we had the, in Toronto the longest lockdown of any big city in the world. So sports games, lunches, drinks, and we've got winter here. Like, like those weren't an option. So if you weren't shifting your strategy, and I can tell you uh, so many lawyers I was working with previously, they just said, oh, like, you know, when the world returns to normal, I'll just get back to my normal way of doing things. They were so fearful and they would not use the word fear, but really it was fearful or afraid of trying something new and fearful of failure. That really was a roadblock to them. And for a lot of younger lawyers, they just don't know where to start and they don't unfortunately have the tools and the toolkit and so they go for the random lunch. They go to the conference, but don't talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, they're there to listen. They, they do, you know, what they think they're supposed to do, but with no plan. And they're almost like a little feather floating around in the wind, hoping that praying the wind will take them to this magical destination, which is having a lot of clients and this fulfilling career. But the reality is like the odds of that are so low. So there are always examples of people who get there, but most people are not intentional about it. And I know, for example, you're doing a lot of work with the lab, like really systematizing, teaching. And, and with LinkedIn, for example, which we'll definitely get into more, I'm sure, there, you, you need a strategy, you need a plan. If you're just doing this ad hoc, assuming, oh, like whatever I do on Instagram will work, or I'm just going to put up random posts the way I write law articles, you're just wasting your time. And I think so many lawyers have not been applying data to their business development in the past. So they're writing articles, but they're not tracking what titles are working? They're not testing stuff. They're, they're assuming they're going to get work out of it. And so they have a lot of these untested assumptions where they're spending time, but have no idea if they're spending time in the right place. So, so we've been doing some really cool stuff there and would love to get into more of some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do that. Um, and maybe I, would it make sense to kind of define a, you know, a sort of a persona, a, uh, an avatar, so to speak, of someone who might be maybe say, let's say a fifth or six year associate. And, you know, they see, they, they, they have a desire to make partner at their firm. And, you know, an expectation is that they're developing business or, or at least showing a real capacity to do so if they don't have any clients. Um, what would be, you know, maybe some starting points and building blocks that they should be thinking about at that point? I mean, hopefully they've started to do something already, right? Building their brand, you know, creating a network, that kind of thing. But I guess maybe let's just talk a little bit about what are some of the the building blocks where someone in that position might start. Um, maybe some best practices. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're just ad hoc going for lunches, assuming that's going to work out, it's not a good use of your time. And so really, I think everyone needs a strategy. And so for the past couple months, uh, myself and, and uh, a friend and, and colleague and co-founder uh, named Double Tank, uh, so we went to business school together. He's a sales expert, spent 10 years in, in the tech world, uh, working for Fortune 500 companies and also working for a number of startups, you know, growing them from zero to a million, two million, five million, all that good stuff. So he went the, the, the business route uh, at a time where at our business school, no one went into sales. Everyone was going into investment banking and mm-hmm. consulting and finance and whatever. And sales was frowned upon. Just like in law, we can't even use the word sales still. We've got to call it business development, right? Because we're so scared of it. Nobody went into sales. That was you know, what lesser people did. The irony, of course, is everyone is a salesperson as they move up. And sales is such a valuable skill that I wish I had learned in school. And I didn't. Um, and so we started this podcast called the Build Your Book Podcast, where we've been interviewing lawyers and, and uh, salespeople. And Jay, we're going to have to have you on uh, at some point for sure, do a fun little crossover episode. And then a couple months back, we said, okay, we've been toying with a bunch of ideas for a while. We were thinking about like this asynchronous kind of course to teach lawyers modern business development. And we sort of decided to scrap that and say, let's get started running small group cohorts. Um, so I've got another venture I'm working on, which we'll maybe talk about a bit. But one of the things I've realized is there's no shortage of content out there, but you need a community. And I know you're doing this with the lab, right? It's not just about mm-hmm. putting stuff out there, but it's building this community, uh, teaching people a mixture of live and asynchronous and all that good stuff. So we started running these classes. We're running this eight-week session where we're just wrapping up the first session now. And we've got small groups of about six or eight lawyers, uh, mainly partners, sole practitioners, and senior associates from across Canada and the U.S. So it fits your archetype per- perfectly, right? So the partners you know, are looking to grow their book. Uh, they might be a non-equity partner, and to be an equity partner, they need clients. Or they've realized, look, for, for all sorts of reasons we've talked about, it would be in my best interest to get some clients. For the senior associates, you can imagine uh, making partner, all that good stuff usually comes with clients. And the sole practitioners have an even clearer incentive. It's literally their paycheck directly. <laughs> you know, So they've got a strong incentive to bring in clients. And we custom built this curriculum from scratch. So Dal and I you know, were kicking this around for a while, figuring out you know, what do we need to teach them? And we had weeks and weeks of our internal calls and talking to people and stuff. And we came up with this sort of eight-week sort of crash course, we'll call it. So basically what happens is once a week in our cohort, we get together. And each week has a topic, and it's a complete flipped classroom. So we give them readings and videos to watch in advance. Some are you know, custom built, some are off the shelf. Um, we've got accountability groups, so on Telegram or WhatsApp, where every day we're in contact, we're sharing what we did from a business development standpoint. Because as you know, Jay, you know, you've been mm-hmm. posting, I think, every day or twice a day on LinkedIn, and, and your posts are phenomenal, uh, as I think you know. Like they've just resonates so well with me, and I know so many other lawyers. And building those habits is, is hard. And I'm the kind of person when I when I build companies, I build for my own weaknesses because I assume if I'm bad at it, there's probably enough people that are also bad at it. And I suck without external accountability. My wife mm-hmm. is incredible. You know, she'll work out every morning throughout the pandemic, built up this habit. I am terrible without external accountability. So to me, probably my smartest idea with this cohort was building in this accountability mechanism as the group. And myself and Double, we're sharing what we did too. We're not we're not being hypocrites here. Like I I do business development every day also. And so we started, you know, it's almost like, you know, dating a coaching or, or psychology, like your mindset. And you know this too, Jay, like there's a lot of people scared for LinkedIn, for example, and, and the lab is doing such a great job of helping people, you know, mentally get there before you even post, you have to be comfortable. So, you know, we take lawyers through like, what's your vision to start? What is your ideal practice, your ideal life look like? 
And to some people, it's money, money, that's and that's fine. For others, it's control over their day. It's not working as much, whatever. And we introduce them to this concept of just doing some stupid small thing every day. Five minutes, what is one thing you can do to sort of work those business development muscles? Anyways, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but we, so we covered that. We cover referrals because there is referral science. There's a whole thing out there I didn't know anything about, right? Uh, real estate agents, um, salespeople, you know, you name it. They understand this concept of referrals and how to do it systematically. So we do that. We talk about CRMs, right? How do you leverage software to actually keep track of this stuff? Because when you're new to business development, maybe you're having one conversation a day or probably not a day, a week, a month. But at my stage, I'm having three or four or five conversations a day. And I got to remember what I talked about, who I want to follow up with, prioritize things. So we talk about that. We talk about uh, USPs, unique selling propositions or value propositions and branding. Like it is unbelievable when you go to most lawyers' websites, it's just babble speak, gibberish buzzwords. No client has a clue, you know, what you do and why they should hire you. Your lawyers are not taught to do this. And it's almost like for anyone who went through the OCI process when they were wanting to be, you know, be hired by a firm and you're looking at all these firms going like they all seem the same. And, and that's how clients feel. All lawyers feel look the same. All firms feel the same. So we talk about that and branding. We talk about marketing funnels. And then we talk about some stuff, practical stuff uh, on networking calls, on business development, sales calls, emails, things like that. So really, we take them through the basics of what anyone doing business development or sales needs to know. And we've seen incredible results from our first cohort. It's been so fulfilling, so rewarding. We've got people saying it's literally changed their lives, their practices. I was not expecting anyone to get a single client in our first cohort. We keep talking about planting seeds. And I know, Jay, you tell people the same stuff. Like, you can't expect miracles overnight. This is about building habits. This is about putting you know, the right steps in place, and the results will come. But shockingly, we've actually seen incredible results from some of the people already. And obviously lots more seed planting. So it's been so rewarding to see the mindset shift, to see the confidence grow, to see the results and just the passion for authentic business development. And I cannot stress that enough. This is not how to be that unscrupulous, you know, salesperson, that salesperson we all hate, that none of us are wanna be. It's the opposite. It's how can you do this authentically without burning out and fit this into the fact that you're a practicing lawyer like I am who has a busy schedule and needs to sort of balance this insanity of building your own book, keeping those clients happy and doing legal work all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to build upon uh, a few of those things, Aaron, because I think that all makes perfect sense. I mean, one of the things that I take away from um, what you, what you said is there's not, there's no one silver bullet that's going to, you know, magically allow you to achieve success overnight. Um, it's, there's many things you can do um, from a business development standpoint. It is at its core about building relationships, but how you go about that might differ greatly from one lawyer to another. The important thing really is the consistency aspect as far as I'm concerned. So I love the notion of doing you know, one, as I think you put it, one stupid thing, uh, five minutes a day. Um, and it's something that I, I definitely advise clients of as well. Um, and that's why I think you know drawing the distinction between marketing and business development is important where you know your marketing is intended to kind of reach people at scale right you're putting messages out into the world and hoping that many people see them um, but when it comes down to business development i mean if i think about my own experience both in um 
law, larger law firms as well as my own small law firm, there really was you know a small number of people who had a significant impact on my practice. Right? You don't need. I might have a network. Let's just throw out a number. Says a thousand people in my CRM system, but there's probably only twenty at most thirty who really are, um, you know, current clients, prospective clients, uh, referral sources who who are having a you know, kind of an immediate positive impact in my practice. And so, you know, I when I'm advising clients, I tell them identify those people. Don't treat your network as if it's one monolith, right? do some discernment and identify the people that really matter. And if you do that, you then have the opportunity to spend five minutes a day getting in touch with each of those people. Like one person every day over the course of a month, you know, if you have 20 to 25 people on your list, that's much more manageable and doable. And you're staying top of mind in front of those people. And it doesn't need to be, you know, some grandiose marketing master plan. It really can just be as simple as reaching out and, and keeping those, relationships fresh, um, sending some handwritten notes, shooting someone an email, picking up the phone and calling and saying, hey, we haven't touched base in a little bit. I just wanted to see if there's anything I can help with, any questions you might have, simple things that done consistently make a big impact over time. So I really like that. And I think that's that's a key takeaway, I think, for anyone who is struggling with business development. It's that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to have some MBA uh you know, business plan for yourself. It's more a matter of just being consistent and figuring out how to be helpful and build relationships over time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, uh, Jay. And, you know, this stuff is not rocket science, but there is a science to it. You know, it's part science, part art, right? And the problem is we're all flying blind without understanding the science to it. And I, I'll go back to LinkedIn, um, which I know, you know, you're doing a lot of work in, and, and your program is, I think, doing so much great value with the lab to help lawyers understand how to leverage it. And as part of Build Your Book, you know, the work we're doing, we talk about social media, obviously, you know, we're not drilling super deep into it. Um, but I'm a huge believer that whether it's LinkedIn or another platform, although I think for lawyers, LinkedIn is probably the best place to start. You know, you've got to use your time wisely. As I was saying before, we're all busy. Like I run a full time and then some practice. I do some tons of volunteering on the side. I teach at one of Canada's law schools. I've got these two ventures going on. My day is busy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And so being efficient with your time is helpful. So if I can write one LinkedIn post that can reach a large audience and then have people coming to me versus me reaching out, wow, that is an incredible use of my time relative to one-on-one -on -one reach out. And don't get me wrong, one-on-ones are incredibly important. But if you can combine one-on-ones or start with LinkedIn, use that to build relationships Turn mm -hmm. those, like you mentioned, into uh, conversations, hop on the phone with them on Zoom calls. And I've probably, no exaggeration, done about a thousand one-on-one -on -one calls in the past year. And you're saying, well, how did you do that and run a full-time practice? And the answer is, quite frankly, you know, it's an extra, you know, an extra hour or two in the day. But I think if you're starting out building a practice and you're expected, unfortunately, to still meet billable targets, the reality, I think the first mindset shift is to say, you know, this is an investment I'm making. It's going to take some time. Uh, but quite frankly, it's been a ton of fun. And especially over the last year, year and a half where, you know, social interaction was so key. You know, these calls were a lifesaver in some ways. They were me without having to leave my house, without being able to meet people in person, building actual relationships, figuring out how can I help other people, leading with generosity, all that good stuff. That And that's what modern business development is all about. And with LinkedIn, so, you know, March 2020 pandemic, you know, kicks off, <laughs> at least in North America. And I was not using LinkedIn actively. I was posting, I don't know, every month or two, some random article I'd written. That, that was the extent of it. 
And I just started playing around with it and was totally terrified of it. I'm not a big social media user. I'm a big social media user in terms of absorbing content. I was mm-hmm. a 0% when it came to posting content. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever, zero, zero things posted in the past several years prior to that. And so it was super out of my comfort zone. And I think for lawyers, part of the challenge is we love staying in the comfort zone. And I used to do this program with volunteering with kids like between six and 12, and they had to set a goal. And we worked with them on, we were coaching them. We were not mentors, we were coaches on, on making that goal a reality. And, and it was about the journey, not the destination, which sounds cliche, but, but it was really true. And we would talk about like the stretch zone, right? Like you, you got to feel a little bit uncomfortable to grow. And if all you do is sit in your comfort zone, you're not going to get anywhere. And so a lot of lawyers, I think, stayed in their comfort zone for a while. We're a profession that loves our comfort zone in general at the best of times. And to me, I was looking going, I have no choice. Any other alternative to, to the way I want to do this doesn't exist. So let's try something new. And it was super uncomfortable to start. And it took several months for me to find my voice to figure out what was resonating with people, but also what was authentic. What did I want to talk about? And I think in 2020, 2020, which was the first year, so mid-March to the end, I think I had about 750,000 views on my post on LinkedIn, which at the start of the year, I would have been happy with you know, 10,000 total. I think this year, it's September 2021. I don't know if I'm at two or three million or where we're at, but I mean, it's just like night and day. And the other fun piece now is I don't even have to reach out to people that much. They reach out to me, right? So that time spent all that, now it's inbound, which is your, your dream, I think, as somebody doing business development or sales is now people are coming to you. They want to talk. So, you know, I could not have done this without, a link, without LinkedIn and, and these businesses I'm running, uh, Build Your Book and the other one, For All Academy, they literally would not have been possible without LinkedIn. So it's one of these fun little success stories where I was so out of my comfort zone, took a chance, risked, you know, some vulnerability and all that stuff. And I'm just so grateful I did it. And I think the biggest piece that we get to with our Build Your Book uh, classes, we call it our academy, is we cover a lot on mindset to start and we cover it throughout. And even as we were doing some work on branding last week, for example, with the lawyers, really encouraging them to share their story, um, that fear is still there, right? I'm really having to walk through that. And we had one of our one of our participants who's a partner at, at, a, at a large firm. She got out of her comfort zone this past week, shared this incredibly vulnerable post, authentic post on LinkedIn. It did incredibly well from a metric standpoint, which is great. That's that's important. But the messages she was getting of people expressing gratitude for for sharing this, they had gone through a similar experience. Nobody was talking about it. Um, you know, it was dealing with infertility. You know, so her experience with that and what she went through, basically hiding it while she was at a firm because you weren't allowed to talk about it. Just the connections with people, the people who are reaching out, and suddenly you're able to connect on a real personal level because you took that risk that was so scary. Um, and so mindset is so big and we focus on that so much because at the end of the day, that's, what's holding most of us back. Right. Yeah, if, for sure. As you know, having, you think people often talk about the importance of growth mindset for, you know, very young lawyers just starting off, but it's, it doesn't matter what point in your career uh, you're at. I mean, just the notion that you can always be learning new skills and stretching yourself and growing is, is critically important. And I share, you know, very similar viewpoints on LinkedIn and and have had similar experiences. I mean, that's really the beauty of it. Um, and this is where, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and experimenting comes into play because getting back to the point I made earlier where it doesn't, you know, there's many different ways to build a book of business. Um, LinkedIn is one of them, but there's might be other, other ways that other people are doing it, but getting, you know, 
getting uh, skilled at something is is extremely important. And the more skilled you become, the more uh, you are building an audience, you do ultimately make that shift, Aaron, as you described, where you're going from outbound, having to reach out to people, to people are really starting to resonate with what you have to say through content creation. And then the the you know, the opportunities start to come inbound and that's a great place to be, but that only can come with figuring out what you have aptitude for, what you like doing, because if you don't like it, you're not going to do it consistently enough for, to ever really develop the skill set, or, or to kind of have, um, you know, the, the messaging and the content out there that is, is really resonating with people. Um, and, and ultimately over time though, you can make that shift and, and that's a great place for, for any attorney to be. And it definitely, we've seen it with other um, attorneys we've had on the show. You, you can use LinkedIn as sort of a, a serendipity machine where opportunities just start arising from everywhere, um, the more visible you are on the platform. So I think that's that's really great. Um, so Aaron, kind of last topic perhaps, uh, which would be, you, you've talked a lot about build your book, but you also, I'm, I'm intrigued by because I've, I've spent a lot of time coaching and training younger lawyers. You, you also are running 4L Academy. Um, what are you guys doing there and, and kind of where, where did that idea come from? Yeah, it's a great question. It came from, you know, I've got so much free time. What, how should I, how should I fill it? Uh, it it definitely didn't come, didn't come that way. So um, build your book in 4L Academy are almost the same thing in different venues. So for build your book, just for anyone listening, buildyourbook.org. And if you're interested, we're, we're opening up our new cohorts in October. So we're teaching business development. And I'm not the main teacher. It's actually uh, my, my co-founder, Double, who is, as I said, a sales expert. So I'm a big believer that you know lawyers, you know, we need these best practices from other industries. We want to bring them to law. And the best way to do that is to partner with really smart people, just like you've done, Jay, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, And so Build Your Book came from, from that view of, you know, why are we being asked to do business development with no skill training, right? Lawyers fly the plane, take the tickets. We do literally every possible thing. And yet we're only trained at best on the practice of law. And for all Academy comes from my premise that we're really not trained well at all on the practice of law. So we launched this over the summer and the backstory is pretty simple. Um, for me as a lawyer, you know, as I mentioned, a pretty linear path. So I was at this firm, was getting great reviews every year. People were happy. I hit a wall around my fourth year where I think I was supposed to start upskilling and starting running my own M&A deals and doing all these things. And I realized pretty quickly, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing and massive imposter syndrome hit. Uh, and I like to call it legitimate imposter syndrome because I actually didn't know what I was doing. Coupled with imposter syndrome, you know, your brain is anxious and you're, you're making it worse than it is. But there was a basis of reality in it significantly. And part of the challenge was I was really good as a corporate lawyer at doing what I was told. You know, someone says, draft this document. Here's a precedent. It's really not that hard. Most of that should be automated anyways. And I use a lot of tech these days to do that. But suddenly running your own files, you need to know a lot. You need a nice mental map of how what every area of law fits together. And to be a good corporate lawyer, I would argue you need to know a lot, a little bit about a lot of stuff. I need to know some tax. I need to know some employment. I need to know a lot of corporate. I need to know M&A stuff, all sorts of stuff. And what I realized is, well, no one had really taught me from the standpoint of piecing it all together. I'd gone to law school where I learned some theoretical stuff and literally never saw a contract once. And I think ironically, my or not ironically, but my top LinkedIn post ever, I think, that resonated the most was about how I never saw a contract in law school, had the top grade in my contracts class, <laughs> never saw a contract, which is nuts because I spend all day as a corporate lawyer uh, dealing with contracts. And so 
fast forward to my fourth year, I'm supposed to be doing all this stuff. Clients are saying, hey, Aaron, you know, well, what's normal? We'll just do whatever is normal. And I'm going, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that to them, but in my head, I'm thinking that. And I'm thinking, no one's ever walked me through these agreements. No one's ever taught me these things. And so I think the biggest challenge for younger lawyers or, or attorneys often is you get thrown into files because people are busy and need your help. And you work on those files. And magically, you're supposed to piece together this ecosystem, just like in law school, the professors teach a random case, and you're supposed to magically on the exam, figure out in a fact pattern, how to analyze the entire area of contract law or tort law, which, which doesn't make sense. Like that was their job in the first place, I think, to build that map. And so I didn't have that map. And you can imagine, you start realizing how much you don't know, and that's not good. And I was close to leaving law altogether. And I realized, okay, if I'm going to stay, like, I just need to power through this, uh, you know, deal with the mental stuff and also just learn a ton. And so I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours self-teaching, reading practical law, uh, bugging some really gracious mentors where once I realized I needed help, were incredibly gracious uh, with their time. And I, I'm so indebted to them and started building out that map. And once I had finished doing that, I went, okay, why the heck did no one just teach me this stuff in the first place? Like there was a much better way to teach me how this all fits together, but it requires you being really deliberate. Uh, you can't just ad hoc this by getting thrown into random files that doesn't work. And the challenge with getting thrown into files and doing them is it's all well and good if you're handed the identical fact pattern in the future, you can do it. But if you change a single variable, if you don't know what you're doing and don't see the big picture, you have no idea what the implication is. It could be nothing or it could be enormous. And there were so many lost learning opportunities because I was just doing stuff with no sense of, okay, in the future, like, why are we doing this now? Is this normal? Not normal. Is it because the buyer is American, Canadian? Is it some other variable? All that to say is I started running a lot of training sessions at my old firm for free, not getting any bill or credit or anything, just because I wanted to give back and teach. Because I figured, again, I was top of my law school class. I'd been at this firm for a while. I was generally seen as a competent lawyer. And if I was feeling this way, probably a good chance, correctly, that others are feeling this way. Ran all these sessions, was getting really good feedback, basically took over our training during the pandemic uh, when we canceled a bunch of stuff. And then what, you know, there's a desire to do this broader. And so uh, over the summer, we trained about 100 Canadian law students for free. We ran four courses we custom built. One was M&A closings, one was M&A due diligence, and two litigation classes, which I absolutely did not teach. We hired some great instructors. Um, they were super interactive, super practical, practical, cameras on, people are talking. This is not a lecture. This was what law school should have looked like and what I wish my training looked like. We brought in legal tech companies. So we taught legal tech at the same time as we taught substantive stuff. So taking advantage of all these relationships I had built, uh, we partnered with teachers to learn from them who had been dealing with virtual education for the past year and in some cases longer to like, how do we, uh, what's, what's the right way you know, pedagogically to do this? So when I say it's similar to build your book, what I'm really saying is let's take some best practices from the education space and apply them to law. And build your book is let's take some best practices from the sales space and apply them to law. Because law is not unique, despite what lawyers like to believe. There are proven ways to do these things that will get you to, the, to a better place. So with, with 4L Academy, I like to say we're a mental health business uh, masquerading as a training company. So right now we're just launching, uh, it'll be our first week when this episode airs of our paid version uh, for, for articling students in Canada and first year lawyers. We're talks with a lot of the big firms in Canada and hoping to expand to the US at some point in 2022. But it's just like something I'm so passionate about. And so many younger lawyers have reached out being like, like, thank you. Like, we've been waiting for this. Like, law school isn't doing it. No one in our firms has the time or the incentives. 
And, and we needed this because we're so anxious. We're so stressed. We just want to do good jobs, but we're living every day terrified. And I know that feeling because I live that and I don't want anyone else to have to feel the way that I felt. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, I think both you know, learning about that is, is interesting, but I think your, you know, your personal experience and journey is inspiring and hopefully is for, for many people. Cause I think there's, there's much more, there is at least the potential for much more as a practicing lawyer, um, than just billing hours for clients and, and you're a good example of that Aaron. So, well, this is a real pleasure, Aaron. I mean, you mentioned a few different, uh, places for people to check out, certainly build your book, uh, 4L Academy. I would encourage people definitely to follow you and your content on LinkedIn because it's outstanding. Um, but I guess uh, any anywhere else that you'd like people to check out or learn learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah. So LinkedIn's the number one place. I usually post once or twice a week and I'm pretty active there. So if you send me a message there, I, I will see it and, and likely get back to you. Uh, buildyourbook.org. And if you want to join our next cohort, uh, we're launching at the start of October. We've got one cohort for younger associates. As I said before, I think the worst advice you can get is to put your head down. At the same time, for younger associates, it's all about planting those seeds, building your network. So we've got an associate track now, six-week course. And for partners, senior associates, uh, solo practitioners, we've got an eight-week course more geared towards that market. So buildyourbook.org slash academy. For 4L, we're sort of full, I guess, right now for the initial round, but the website should be live when this airs. So 4Lacademy.ca, active on LinkedIn in both those places. So LinkedIn's a good place to go. Um, and of course, the Build Your Book podcast. Uh, hopefully we'll have Jay on there soon. But if you're looking to learn more on, on the sales side and hear from other people, I, I mean, I think this podcast that we're on right now is probably the go-to place. But if you're looking for another one to add, definitely check out, check out the Build Your Book podcast. We are on every podcast app you can imagine. Awesome. Well, thanks, Aaron, for joining us. It was a real pleasure. And to everyone listening, thanks for joining us. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks so much, Jay. This is a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.